Welcome, everyone, to Day 17, Scripture Number 17, as we continue our series, 30 Scriptures in 30 Days. We never know what's going to happen in these episodes, but welcome to Day 17. Welcome to Scripture uh, Number 17, and I I hope you're ready. I I hope this is going to be beneficial. We officially begin because we don't officially begin. So anything I say up to this point doesn't even really count as an introduction, but welcome everyone. Day 17, it begins now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Theology Central Podcast. It is Wednesday, June the 29th, 2022. It is currently 3.41 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. And welcome to another episode in our 30 Days and 30 Scriptures, 30 Scriptures and 30 Days podcast series. It's kind of a mini, I guess 30 episodes. I keep calling it a mini series because it's only 30 episodes, but in another way, you look, 30 episodes is not really a mini series. So this, it's, it's not mini, it's not a large series. This, this kind of just in the medium podcast series, 30 scriptures in 30 days. Welcome to another episode, and hopefully this will be beneficial. I, I, I see a message in chat, someone saying that they are, they're here, they're listening, but they don't know how helpful they can be in these episodes. I don't know how helpful I can be in these episodes because it's really crazy. So the short story, all right, because by, by, by the time we get to day 17, I'm hoping most people who tune in are very familiar with what we're doing. But I also can see the numbers, and I see that, that that obviously it's not the exact same number of downloads and streams every time, and the numbers have been increasing each and every episode, so that tells me that new listeners are joining in. So just the simple information so that you know, a long time ago, Charles Stanley wrote a book called 30 Life Principles. That 30 Life Principle book became a Bible called the Life Principles Bible. It became a study guide. I came across the book. 
bought the study guide, thought, oh, this will be awesome. 30 life principles by someone who's been preaching for a long time, even if I don't agree with their theology, I'll be able to take these principles and think about them. Maybe they'll spark conversation, discussion, and I'll look at the scripture from which he supposedly got the principle from, and it'll be a wonderful time of Bible study and meditation. Well, I didn't realize that that was going to turn into a, (laughs) it feels like, it feels like a lifetime journey of trying to figure out the book. Because every time I look at it, I've always been like, I don't know if I really understand the principle. And then I will look and go, you know what? I definitely don't see how this scripture led to that principle. So as I've been saying in every episode, it feels to me he came up with the principles and then looked for scriptures to impose the principles upon which is an absolute no-no, and no Christian should do that. We study the text and see what principle can arise from that text based off an accurate understanding of it. So what we are trying to do in this series is we're looking at the principles briefly, setting it aside, and then we're looking at the scripture going, okay, guys, what do we do with this? And the goal is, and how this is happening is happening in real time. In other words, I'm not preparing. I'm just showing up here, opening up the book, and then in real time, we try to work together to figure out what is the principle. It makes it a little nerve-wracking for me. Hopefully for you, it makes it somewhat interesting hearing me try to process it and try to figure it out and struggle with it and go, well, maybe it's, well, maybe it could be this. And hopefully what you find yourself doing is going, no, 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 you're missing the point. No, it should be, no, no, it's that. Oh, no, 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 I agree. And then you find yourself kind of actively participating. And if I've accomplished that, well, then great. Maybe this is kind of a hermeneutical exercise. Maybe it's a Bible observational exercise. Hopefully there's a lot of different things that we are accomplishing in this series so far. So are you ready? Now, before we open up, the 30 Life Principles by Charles Stanley. Before I reach over here and grab my iPad and hit on the, the Kindle app and open it up to day 17, scripture number 17, before we even look at that, I have to ask you a question. And, and I, I don't know, I, I guess it really depends on the kind of church you attend. There's a lot of churches where it is very common it's kind of a just a normal thing that somewhere in that sermon, the pastor is going to give you some kind of principle, some kind of point. He may have two or three points in his outline, but it's going to be like one major point he's going to try to make. And it may sound super spiritual. It may sound great. And, and maybe they'll even throw it up on the on the big screens in your sanctuary, or if they, they use PowerPoint slides, whatever. Then here's the point for this week. And maybe, maybe they'll give you some kind of handout and they'll have the point in there. And then maybe when you're supposed to go to small group, you're supposed to think about that point, but they'll make this point and everyone will be like, Oh, that's really good. And then people will go home and post it on social media. And the point they give may sound very spiritual. It may sound theological. It may even sound biblical, but has it ever happened that the more you start thinking about the point, the more you start thinking about it and reading it, you start asking yourself, wait a minute, does this really, is there really any actual substance to this? I mean, it, 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 it's, it's showy, it sounds good, but is there anything really to it? And the more you start thinking about it, it almost feels like in some cases that the, okay, the point sounds good, but it doesn't really have any connection to practical reality 
or or you almost start filling up. Maybe, maybe this is more nonsensical than it is really actually anything of substance. It, it felt great. It felt spiritual. But the more you start thinking about it, it begins to kind of fall apart. In other words, it, it, it looks great as long as you don't really start examining it, questioning it, really start thinking about it. And that's how I feel some of the principles are in the 30 Life Principles book. When you first read them, you may be like, wow, that, that sounds, that sounds, okay, okay, that sounds pretty good. But then after just five, 10 minutes, 30 minutes of thinking about it, you start going, wait, that principle doesn't even make any sense. It kind of falls apart. And I wonder, I wonder if there is just something about, I wonder if there's just something about the church that is, that is, makes us vulnerable to that type of thing. In other words, if you just package a little principle or a saying and, and a, a kind of spiritual ease, you just kind of, you kind of wrap it up in, in Christian lingo that they will buy into it and go, oh, this sounds good. I wonder how many kind of little principles, little sayings, little cliches, little statements that Christians have bought into over the years that as soon as it, they, it those statements really get looked at or examined, they really kind of just fall apart. I wonder how many things have been marketed as a bumper sticker or a t-shirt or just some little, it's like the, it's the phrase that everyone is using and it, it just, it's everywhere. It's on Christian radio, Christian television. It shows up in your church and it's just kind of the, the popular phrase, the popular concept, the popular idea, but it doesn't really hold up to any serious theological or biblical scrutiny. I, 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 maybe no one can relate to that. I just think I've seen that too many times in my Christian life. And I feel like that that's a little bit about what I keep feeling when I open up the 30 principles book is at first I may go, Oh, that sounds kind of, wait a minute. Does, what, what does that even mean? Does that even really mean anything? Does it really, does it really actually mean anything? So a lot of times what I have done when I, when I hear Christians throwing out some little cliche, some little statement, usually I just start asking them questions. So what exactly does that mean? Wait, how does that work? Well, what about this? Well, what about that? Well, wait, I, what about this? And then usually they just get frustrated with me and just like, no, you're, you're making it more complicated than it is. Or I'm just trying to ask a question to demonstrate that that little catchphrase that you're running around saying is kind of useless and meaningless. What, what do you think? I, I, I'll just, I'll just leave it there. I just think, I think sometimes these things are almost more of a marketing ploy than they are actually any theology. Now, there are other times that there are very statements can be very useful and very biblical. I'm just saying that there's sometimes they're not. I'll just leave it there. Are you ready? Here we go. So I'm grabbing my iPad, opening up the Kindle app, and we arrive to principle number 17. For us, it's scripture number 17. For us, it's day 17 and our 30 scriptures and 30 days series. All right. Are you ready? Here we go. 30 days, not 30 days, 30 days. Here we go. The reason I'm kind of stumbling there is I just looked at, as soon as I clicked on the Kindle app, I was like, whoa, no, 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 no. What are we going to do with this? What are we going to do with this? I guess it's, yeah. Oh boy. Here we go. Are you ready? Here is the principle. Principle number 17. 
Now, we're going to throw it aside in a minute, and we're going to be left with Scripture number 17. But for now, we will give a just a kind of a, a, a very surface-level examination of the principle Charles Stanley put, placed in his book, 30 Life Principles. Here we go. Principle number 17. We stand tallest and strongest on our knees. We stand taller. We stand stronger when we are on our knees. Does that sound spiritual? Oh, we stand tallest. We stand strongest when we are on our knees in prayer. In other words, the focus here is going to be on prayer. That's, or at least that's the focus of the principle. We'll have to look to the scripture, but that's the idea. Now that sounds good, doesn't it? You stand tallest and you stand strongest when you're on your knees, when you are in prayer. I don't know what it means to stand tallest. Strongest would seem to imply, almost, this almost seems to imply, I'm not saying it's explicitly stating, but it seems to imply this kind of concept. The more you pray, the stronger you are spiritually. The more you pray, the stronger you are spiritually. Now, the question we would have is, what do you mean stronger? What do you mean by stronger? Stronger in what way? Taking a drink of water. What do we mean by strength here? You're stronger that you can you can uh, stop sinning? Well, I mean, no, you could, you could pray 15 hours a day. You're still going to sin in some way, shape, or form. Okay, so there's a, there's a limit of strength that I can obtain in my praying. So if I pray for 15 hours, I'm still going to sin. So there's a limit of the strength that I can obtain in my prayer. Okay, so, but I will sin less than, if I pray 15 hours a day, I will sin less than the person who prays 10 hours a day. And then that person's going to sin less than the person who prays five hours. Is there a direct correlation? The more you pray, the less you sin. Uh, oh, th- th- that that's a good. Someone just made a good point. Someone just said because we because don't we sometimes pray most when we are standing weakest? In other words, sometimes it's in our most weakest moments when we are the weakest that we pray the most. Sometimes the the weaker we are, the more we pray. So, but, but, so the minute, so when you're weak, you pray more, but then that immediately turns to, and then you become strongest. I don't know, but it, it's once again, it, it sounds so good. And I can imagine this being taught in churches and people are like, Ooh, amen, amen. And you can hear the congregation and they grab their notebooks and they write that down. We stand tallest and strongest on our knees. Yes, I'm strong when I pray. And it's just like, I, I, I don't know exactly how that translates to something meaningful other than just words. Super spiritually sounding words are a no value if there's nothing truly contained within them. They're not, they're not connected to some kind of reality. And what do I don't understand? Stand tallest. I stand taller. Like, what do you mean stand tallest? But it's that strength, that strength, that strength. So. First, I guess we'd have to do a lot of things with the principle. We would have to define what it means by strength. And then we would have to say, is, is this some kind of like a dogmatic assertion that if you pray this much, you get this much strength? 
What if you don't pray that much? I, 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 I just don't know. Let, let's see what the, where, where we're going to go with this. All right, so we're going to set aside his principle. All right, we're going to set it aside. We stand tallest and strongest on our knees. We're going to set that aside today, and now we're going to turn to the scripture that is provided. What scripture do you think? What scripture do you think he's going to turn to? Well, he's going to do what he's done with the previous 16 days and the previous 16 scriptures. Once again, it's the Old Testament. All, I think almost every, I don't think there's been one that wasn't in the Old Testament as of right now. So we're going to turn to the Old Testament book of, what do you think? 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 If you already guess, what do you think? What do you think? All right. I can't hear. I can't hear all of you. I, I can't. But I, I just want you, I want you saying it out loud. Well, it's obvious. It's, it's the book of Psalms. Or it's obvious. It's, 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 I, okay. I don't know what you're saying, but it's the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel. Now, as soon as I say it's the book of Daniel, I bet your mind went to some specific situations, didn't it? What do you think? Did it, did it go to specific situations? Specific parts of, of the book of Daniel, specific stories, all right? Now, someone just said they had no idea what book, okay? Um, did, did you go to a specific, a specific place? I, I, I bet most did. So let's do this. I'm going to do a couple of things. Let's do a couple of things. I'm going to open up the Spreaker app to make sure I don't miss any comments because I, I do like the fact we're getting comments today. That's good. I'm going to open this. Here we go. I'm also I'm also giving my I'm also delaying because I know this is the part where I where my my nerves start going. Okay, you have you're getting ready to open the Bible and you don't know what you're about to find. You have no idea. So you've you've got to be ready. You've got to be you got to be ready. Here we go. All right, Daniel chapter six. Daniel chapter six. Daniel chapter 6, verses 10 through 11. Here we go. Daniel chapter 6, verses 10 through 11. Now, did I say David? Daniel. Did I say David? Did I say David? Daniel chapter 6, verses 10 through 11. Now, Daniel uh, Daniel chapter 6, verses 10 through 11. If I said David, I don't know why. All right, here we go. Because my mind's already trying to figure out how... My mind's already thinking, Daniel 6, to see, I know, I think, I know the basic part of that. What's getting ready to happen? All right, so I apologize. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks Thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Daniel chapter 6, verses 10 through 11. Daniel chapter 6, verses 10 through 11. All right, someone said, I said Daniel. Okay, good. My mind was thinking everything other than that. that. Here we go. So Daniel chapter 6, 10 through 11. Now, once again, remember, they, they just, what's weird about the Life Principles book is that these, these scriptures sometimes, they're, they're pulled from context. Now, the book and the, and the, 
study guides will try to provide them some back, try to place them somewhat back in the historical context. But even though they try to explain the context, they in many cases then abandon the context to immediately make it a universal applied principle to everyone. And we've already seen in many cases, specifically certain of these things seem to have an application specifically to that historical setting. That's almost ignored. So in the and the study guide, they, they at least give us this information. Daniel was of royal birth, but was taken captive to Babylon as a young man. He was an impressive individual and was quickly recruited to serve in the king's palace, where he was careful to continue honoring and obeying God in every way. He ministered throughout the Babylonian captivity and shortly thereafter, 605 BC to 530 BC. All right, that gives us a little bit of back background that David was of royal birth and he was taken captive to Babylon and that he continued to serve God and he ministered throughout the Babylonian captivity. All right, that gives us a little bit of background. Great. I just try try to forget the 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 principle that we were given by Charles Stanley. Let's forget forget that. Let's just look and see what we can do with this. Now, I think you will note that we have to get a little bit of context here, a little bit of context here. So let's go back to Daniel 6. I, I, I've been trying to avoid doing this, right? Because the goal here is just to look at the verses given. But in some case, and the re, one of the reasons I don't want to go back and try to gather all the context is then it starts tur- turning into a verse-by-verse exposition. And this won't be 30 scriptures in 30 days. It's going to be, you know, 300 scriptures in 400 years. It'll take forever. So I have to try to limit what we can do, but we'll at least get some basic information. You probably already know the story, but here's what happens. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So they're like, oh, look, guys, we can't find any dirt on him right now. We can't find anything. So we got we to find something as it relates to his God. We've got to use something that relates to his God as an opportunity, well, that we can then find fault with him. We can make accusation, and then we can do something against him. So Daniel chapter 6, verse 6. Then the, uh, then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes and counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute, uh, a, a, a statue, and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius, sign the writing and the decree. So basically, they come up with an idea. Nobody can pray for 30 days. You cannot pray for 30 days. And Daniel, now, a lot of people immediately take this start applying to certain situations in our culture today. And we, we could get into a whole discussion. We, I don't want it to go there. I want it to just stay focused right here. So Daniel is, a decree has been made. Daniel, 
goes home. Um, verse 6, or so you know, verse 10. Now, when, da- when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, so he knew that the decree had been signed. He knew he was not supposed to pray for 30 days. He went into his house and his windows, being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before this day as he did aforetime. Now, first of all, I think this is important. As he did aforetime. As he did aforetime. That phrase to me is very important. It wasn't like, oh wait, 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 wait. Oh, you you made a decree that that that, that you made a decree that uh I, I I can't pray. Well, that watch this. I'm gonna start praying every single day. No, 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 no. It wasn't one of those kinds of things. This is something he did every day. He just continued to do what he had always done. When, when Christians are faced with a, a situation where a law or a rule is passed that we don't like, it's, it's highly suspect that we are being motivated by spiritual reason when we clearly have not been engaging in the activity, not cared about the activity, not been taking advantage of the activity, and then once something is supposedly we're not allowed to do, then all of a sudden, oh, no, 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 I'm going to get mad. No, I'm going to do something about it. That, that calls into question your motivation. And determining your motivation can be determining the, the truthfulness, or how can we say, determining... The righteousness of your motivation can be very tricky sometimes. You can tell yourself that you've got good motives when in many cases your motives are nothing more than fleshly and ungodly. Now, I'm not saying, I think there, okay, remember, I don't have to follow his principles. So I think there's a principle right here. I think think maybe we can develop a a principle. Just stay with me as I try to flesh this out. We... There is a time where we are doing that which is godly, and there are times when we're simply doing nothing more than engaging in a fleshly display that's more about us than it is about God. There are times when we take a stand, and it's for the right reason, and there are times that we take a stand, and it's more about ourselves. It's about, it's about some fleshly, rebellious attitude. It has nothing to do with God, has everything to do with ourselves. And, and I know a lot about that because that's my nature. My nature is to do that. Like my nature is like, okay, 15 people get together and say, we're going to do this. And my nature is immediately saying, no, no, because 15 people want to do it. I am not going with along with it. I will always go without, I'll go against the crowd. I don't care what it is. If the crowd's like, hey, the building's on fire. There's safety that direction. I, you know what, guys? I'm just going to go burn up because I'd rather burn up than follow you guys. I, I, I know that's ridiculous. I know it's dumb. I And I'm very much acknowledging the fleshly nature there. I'm very much willing to acknowledge that. Um, uh, but I, but there is there is very much something about that inside of me that I will just go against something just to go against it, just because it's just, it's there. But, but there, there are times that we can convince ourselves that what we're doing, the godly thing, we're doing the right thing, we're, we're, we're doing the holy thing, and sometimes all you're doing is making a, a spectacle of ourselves. All we're doing is making it about us, but we will tell her, no, we're doing the right thing. We're doing the godly thing. And I'm like, are, are we really, are we really, or are we just making, 
ourselves the story? Or is it about us? Here, he did what he had done a four times. This wasn't like, oh, oh, now it's do something. It's just, a, I'll just give you an example. Now I'm going to get myself in trouble. I should just stop. I probably should just stop. I probably should stop. I probably should stop. But I'm going to go here. I'm going to go here. All right, I'm going to go here. Prior, prior to COVID-19, prior to a global pandemic, and I understand a pandemic is global in nature. Okay, I understand that. But prior to the pandemic, prior to COVID-19, you would see churches cancel services for all kinds of things, right? Fourth of July picnic, we're going to cancel services. Summertime, we're going to cancel ser- We're going to cancel one service, or we're going to cancel our evening service, or we're going to cancel our mor- morning service, whatever. We're going to cancel for a fellowship. We're going to cancel for a potluck. We're going to cancel for this. We're going to cancel for that. Uh, you know, so many different issues. Cancel a service. And we know that in churches all across the United States of America that you could have 500 show up for a Sunday morning service. And then on Wednesday, that's our Sunday night. That's down to around 300 or 200 who may come back. And by Wednesday, it's down to 50 or 40. Um, I can remember my church in Nebraska during the nineties that a Sunday morning sanctuary, there was a couple of hundred people. When, by the time you got to Wednesday night, we weren't even meeting in the sanctuary anymore. We were downstairs in the fellowship hall, just kind of in a semi-circle. And I'm like, where? We go from like 300 people on a Sunday morning to like 15 on a Wednesday? What's what's the deal? Like everyone works on a Wednesday night? Everyone, no one can come to church? So that happened all the time. And then all of a sudden COVID happens. People are like, absolutely. We're not going to cancel anything. How dare them? You want me to restrict the number of people who can be here? Absolutely not. You're telling me that I should have, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that because the Bible says forsake not the assembly, forsake not the assembly. I'm like, wait a minute. All of a sudden now we care about forsaking the assembly. All of a sudden now, now, now we care. Half of you don't even show up on Sunday night. Half of you don't even show up on Wednesday. But now we care about not missing church. Now we care. And it's like, what? What just happened? What? Now, listen, when you start doing it, and, and you, but you see, you would tell you, you, you would quote a scripture. You would quote a scripture. We got scripture. Don't forsake the assembly. All of a sudden now, all of, the scripture that nobody cared about prior to COVID, everyone cared about. And I'm like, Wait, 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 wait. How much of this is motivated by godliness? And how do mo- much of this is motivated by nothing more than a fleshly mindset, a fleshly rebellious mindset? And I know, listen, I know it's hard to find that the truth of one's motivation. It is hard to find. It is hard to find. There could be a decree right now put out that, there can be no church meetings or, or there can be no prayer meetings, I should say. There should be no prayer meetings in your home. No prayer meetings can happen in your private residence. None. You cannot have a prayer meeting. All of a sudden, Christians are like, how, do, what are they doing? Let's do, that's it. T- tomorrow, a prayer meeting. Every, a Christian churches all over the country would be like, we're going to have prayer meetings. Wait, wait, wait. How many prayer meetings have you been having? I don't know, this week. How many prayer meetings did you have last week? How many prayer meetings did you have last month? Now, that motivation, if the motivation is corrupt, if the motivation is fleshly rebellion, then what spiritual value is going to be in your exercise? Your exercise is you're using spirituality simply 
as a disguise for your own fleshly rebellion? When is it that your spiritual action is nothing more than fleshly, it's it's fleshly motivated? How many of your spiritual actions are motivated more by the flesh than they are of, well, glorifying God? I've given the example uh, in a number of times. You see, well, where was I at? I think I was in, I say, I don't think I was, I think I was at Goodfellow Air Force Base San Angelo. I think it was for the NCO Academy, one of the military academies I had to go to, you know, you got to go and pass all of these tests so you can move up in rank, whatever. And um, I think it was there. And we went to, we went to, uh, I don't, I don't remember. I think it was the uh, NCO Academy and we had to go to one of the chow halls to eat. And there was a, you know, one of the military members who obviously professed to be a Christian. And so he walks to his table. He has his tray of food, right? Has his his tray. I'm going to try to demonstrate this. I know you can't see it, but like I've got this in my hand, like it's a tray. And he walks over to the tray and he puts the tray down with force on the table. Right? To almost to get everyone's attention. And then he bows his head and out loud, dear Lord God, he just starts like praying loud. And I'm like, what, what are you doing? What, what is that? Hey, I don't know if you realize this. You don't have to yell. God can hear you. Do, Do you realize that? God can hear you. Do you realize that prayer is supposed to be communication with God? It's not. Because in his mind, prayer was an opportunity to be a witness. And, and, I, and I was taught that in my young Christian life. If you, go out to, if you go out to eat, make sure you pray because it's a witness. Praying is not supposed to be a witness. Prayer is supposed to be communicating with God. Right? It's like bringing God along. It's like, it's like getting a, a girlfriend that you think is hot. You don't really like her, but you just want to go around with everyone seeing you with her because they're like, ooh, look who's, who's he's, look who's, look who he is with. It's, it's not about her. It becomes about you. Ooh, look, he's with her. Wow. Look at him. Look at, like, you know, no, you don't bring God along to show yourself off. No, if you're going to pray, you do so to communicate to God. You have something actually to say to God, something you mean, you really want to say to God. If you're public praying over a meal is more for you to supposedly witnessing, it becomes more about showing yourself off. You're just using God to show yourself off and you want everyone to go, ooh, look at, look at that, look at him. He's a good Christian. No, and you say, no, 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 they're trying to be a witness to God. No, I think it becomes a witness about you. You don't have to let the whole restaurant know that you're praying. You don't have to let to, you don't have to let an entire football stadium know that you're praying. I I know this is shocking. You don't have to let everyone know. You don't. You don't have to. Now, if it's your normal if if it's now listen, if it's your normal activity to pray before a meal. Every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, breakfast, lunch, supper, and then you're at a restaurant, well, then you would, you would pray as you have done aforetime, as you have done before. You would do what you normally do. But if, it, but if, it's, if you're doing something that you don't normally do, you have to ask yourself, why are you doing? So you have to ask, 
I know this is crazy. For every spiritual action, for every spiritual thing you are engaged in, you have to truly ask yourself, why are you doing this? What is your motivation? Because your wrong motivation corrupts spiritual activity. Corrupt motives, corrupt motives, corrupt spiritual activity, even if the spiritual activity is good. You have corrupted it. You have tainted it. You've made it fleshly. In fact, in some ways, oh, this is going to make some people mad. You're using the name of God in vain because it's not about God. You're using God for fleshly reasons. If you don't like democratic politicians, you don't like Fauci's COVID decisions, don't use God and don't use the church and don't use the proclamation of the gospel as simply a tool for you to express your rebellion and your disagreement with their decisions. God is not a tool so that you can use so you can prove a point. That's using him in vain. That's using the church in vain. We have to have the right motives. And someone said that prayer is not uh, supposed to be a witness. No, it's, it's, a, it's a communication with God. I pray. I pray because I'm commanded to pray and I'm supposed to be having a heartfelt, actual communication with God. I, I, I'll just give an example. I used to hate this in the military. Anytime there was something going on, retirement ceremony, promotion ceremony, they'd be like, hey, Come on down. We need you to pray. We, we need you to do the opening prayer. And I'm like, what? I'm like, why are we praying now? Why? Why? Why are we doing this? Why? Well, it's, it's a retirement ceremony. Okay, yeah, but why are we praying? Why? Like, what am I supposed to do here? Am I supposed to actually have a communication with God or it's just a prayer that's recited? It's the same thing for NASCAR races when they do the prayer before a NASCAR race. I'm like, why? Why? It says, are you really communicating with God? It just seems like sometimes prayer is just thrown into something when I don't know if it's really, is it really prayer? Look, it's not prayer if it's not an actual, you're not speaking with God. I've got to be literally communicating with God. I'm speaking to God. And sometimes for those ceremonies, it's like, no, I'm I'm praying to be, I don't know what we're doing. I, I, so many things we do. And let me make it very clear. I'm not here condemning everyone else. I'm condemning myself. There's been way too many times in my own spiritual life where I've done spiritual things and the motivation was incorrect. The motivation was wrong. Every time I turn on this microphone, I am very aware that I could be trying to do a podcast episode, not for God, but for my own pride, ego, popularity, fame, number of downloads. I, I, I can have wrong motives and even do it. Every time I preach a sermon, am I preaching a sermon so that I can minister or am I preaching a sermon to hear, wow, that was a great sermon. Wow, that was awesome. Wow, I've never heard any, anybody handle the scriptures that way. What, what's my real motivation? I can tell myself I'm doing it for godly. It's so easy to say your motivation is right. It's so easy. But I, considering Depraved nature, <laughs> yeah. even my best intentions are corrupted with fleshly motivations. Even my best intentions. So what jumps out at me in this text is I just, I, I know it seems so like no big deal, but 
uh, he he prayed and gave thanks before God as he did aforetime. As he did aforetime. I love that. He wasn't doing anything new. He wasn't motivated by, oh, wait, they just passed a decree. They just passed a decree. I, 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 you know how I, I figured how to get many Christians to read their Bibles and study their Bibles. You know how you can do so? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go on, um, is it 8chan now? 4chan or 8chan? I'm going to go on 8chan or 4chan and I'm going to pretend to be Q for the QAnon conspiracy theory. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put out a post that the Biden administration currently is working on a, a law to ban Bible study. They're going to ban Bible study and they're going to ban Bible reading. And I bet you as soon as I put that out to people like, oh boy, uh, watch this. They'll be on Facebook going, look, see, I'm reading my Bible. Look, All of a sudden they'll be motivated to read. All of a sudden they'll be motivated to, to, to study. All of a sudden Bible study will break out everywhere, but all of it will be nothing more than a fraudulent sham because they're doing so because they're motivated like, oh, I'm going to prove a point. How dare you tell me I can't study the Bible? Okay, maybe a little bit of hyperbole there, but I just feel like in some cases, all you got to do is tell people, no, 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 don't pray. You can't pray. You can't come to church and you can't read the Bible. And all of a sudden they'll be like, oh, yes, I can. And and it's like, really, really? That's what motivates you? Why are you motivated now? I've seen the same thing. Oh, I'm going to get myself in trouble with all of these examples, but that's okay. I've seen the same thing. Someone is at work or they know someone in their family and they get into a heated theological discussion. Boom. And the, and the argument goes and they get emotional and they get mad and they walk away feeling stupid and they feel like they didn't have a good answer. All of a sudden they're like, hey, 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 you got some books on systematic theology. Oh, man, you do you know what to study here? And, and I immediately when I see that, I'm always I, I sometimes will stop. I, you know, I want to ask the question, why do you want to read that book? Why, why do you want to read that scripture? But well, I got to go back and you got to go back and what? You want to read? Now you're going to tell me you're going to go back because you're trying to, to, to minister to them. You're trying to help them. Are you trying to minister or help them? Are you now you're trying to beat them? Is your motivation to win an argument? Is your motivation to minister? You know how the fine line between those two, when it goes from, I want to minister to this person to, I want to win the argument. When you start reading and studying the Bible, and all of a sudden, now you're going to want to read a systematic theology. All of a sudden, now you want to listen to sermons, all, all simply to get that information so that you can go back and go, boom, 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 told you so. You know what? Don't bother. Just don't bother. Just don't bother. That's fleshly motivated. That's fleshly motivated. How much of your spiritual life has been motivated by the flesh and not with the right motivation? Daniel appears to pray not because of a decree saying he couldn't, but he prayed because he always prayed. You should be motivated to go to church not because some political party placed COVID restrictions. You should go to church because you always go to church. Oh, me or amen? It's getting kind of quiet. It's gotten quiet. 
And when you preach a sermon and it gets quiet like that, one, you know, you've probably ticked someone off. Sometimes, you know, the people have just gotten extremely convicted. And that can be a good thing if they allow the conviction to do its work and not simply get angry at the one giving the message. I'm just as convicted by this as hopefully everyone else is. I'm going to go with this principle. I know we didn't take the, I know everybody like prayer, prayer. This is about prayer. <sighs> prayer is mentioned here. I'm not, I'm not going to deny that prayer is mentioned. Here. I'm not going to deny that prayer is mentioned, but I think the prayer here gives me this principle. I'm going to go, I'm going to, this will be number 32. If you've been keeping track of all of the principles we've come up with so far. We're day 17, principle number 32. We've come up with far more principles than, than Charles Stanley did. We just got to know how to word this, how to, how, to, how to process this. I'm going to say this. Um, I'm gonna, I think we may come up with two principles here. Spiritual action doesn't guarantee... Spiritual motivation. Just because you have spiritual actions, just because you're doing spiritual actions, doesn't mean that that's a that is a guarantee of a spiritual motivation. Spiritual action doesn't guarantee spiritual motivation. Sometimes your spiritual actions are nothing more than flesh. They're fleshly motivated. And in many cases, your your spiritual actions, you're simply using the things of God in the name of God for fleshly reasons. I'm going to go to number 33. So spiritual action doesn't guarantee spiritual motivation. How do we want to put number 33? We must constantly examine examine to to see if our motivation is fleshly or spiritual. We must constantly examine to see if our motivation is fleshly or spiritual. Now I'm going to have to rewrite those out quickly because I definitely cannot read what I just wrote down because the way the notebook is is placed here and I'm trying to stay, stay in front of the microphone. For me to do this correctly, I'd have to move all the way from the microphone and then, but then I couldn't be talking and that would be a lot of dead air, which is a no-no Okay, professional broadcasters, we know dead air is a no-no. You never have, you got to keep talking. You got to keep talking. All right, and now we, we may be able to, to work that out a little bit more, but I'm, I'm going to go back to that passage in Daniel. I'm going to read it one more time. Now, when Daniel knew, so he knows that the writing was signed, that the decree that, hey, you can't pray for 30 days, right? Uh, to uh, you can't you can't petition any god or man for thirty days save the the O king. So the only one you can actually kind of give a petition to it is to the king. You can't pray to God for thirty days. He knows that the writing was signed. He went into his house, 
And his windows being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. It doesn't even appear that he... I'm going to read this in a different translation because I think this is important. I'm going to read this in a different translation just to see here, to make sure, because I don't want to make a dogmatic statement here that's incorrect. I may have to pose it as a question, and then you can tell me whether you agree or not. Okay, I got to get here to Daniel. This is chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. I'm going to go to verse 10. When David learned that the document had been signed, he went into his house, the windows in its upstairs room opened towards Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed and gave thanks to his God just as he had done before. It um, it just says the windows in its upstairs room opened towards Jerusalem. I, 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 some people preach it like he went in there and opened the window so that everyone can see, but it seems to be like, well, the windows were open and he prayed. In other words, he didn't do anything to hide it, but I don't know if he was necessarily doing anything to display it or to or to throw it in everyone's face. I think he just went about his normal activity. He just did what he had always done. There was no there was no extra motivation, there was no extra intimidation. He just like, I pray 3 times a day, this is what I do. This is what I have done, this is what I will do. I'm not going to make a spectacle out of myself. I'm not going to do that. In fact, the Bible is very clear about not I mean, the Pharisees did lots of religious things, but they did so with fleshly motivation. They wanted to be seen for their prayers. They wanted to be seen for their good deeds. They wanted to be seen. They wanted to be, they made spiritual activity about themselves because their motivation wasn't spiritual. It was fleshly. And I just think we see a lot of that. We want to, we've got to make it a, we got to let everyone know what we're doing. And we got to try to make some point. Everything, so much of our spiritual life today is motivated by so many things other than, well, the spirit, other than, than the things of God. It's motivated by ourselves. So I'm going to give these principles one more time, if I can read them. All right. So if I say them differently, don't get mad at me because I'm literally got, it's like I'm reading ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics. All right, here we go. Spiritual action does not guarantee spiritual motivation. Because you're doing spiritual things doesn't mean that you're really doing them for the right reason. Spiritual actions can be done for fleshly motivation. Spiritual actions can be done for fleshly motivation. You can go to church for the wrong reason. You can read your Bible for the wrong reason. You can give money for the wrong reason. You, there, there's so many things you can do for the wrong reason. We've, we've got to, that, that, that's why. Remember this passage? Let me see if I can find it really quick. Do you remember this? Let's see here. Let's see if I can find it. Give me one second. Remember doing this all in real time. Do you remember this passage? For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. One of the reasons you spend time in God's word is for it to 
help you see what you don't see. It's to help you see what's going on inside of you. We sometimes think that the Bible is there to give us insight into everyone else's heart. We think that sometimes because we study the Bible, we can discern everyone else's motivations and we can discern everyone else's heart and we can discern everyone else's thinking. And most of the time we're we're 99% wrong because you can't do that. The Bible is there to help you discern your motivation, what's going on inside of you. It's a very personal thing. Bible study is surgery on you. It's not Bible surgery. It's not Bible study is surgery on spiritual surgery on other people. It's about you. The more, the more time you spend in God's word should be the more time you are examining not just your actions, but your motivations, which are always so messed up. I can, I can, th- I can think my motivations are so pure. I can, and, and again, I, you, we sometimes judge our spirituality by our actions. We've got to learn that those actions don't necessarily guarantee anything. The Pharisees had all kinds of spiritual actions, but everything was corrupt. Once again, it's the cleaning up on the outside. Oh, look at that whitewashed tomb. Look at that cup. That's the cleanest cup I've ever seen. Oh, you think it is? Go take a drink. Go take a drink. Because that's some filth in that cup. I can clean up the outside with all the spiritual actions, but my motivations are all wrong. All right, I'm going to check really quick. We've gone longer than we're supposed to. All right. Nobody's added any more. It got quiet. So I'm hoping that that's a good sign. I'm hoping that's a good sign. I, I feel like that this, we didn't, do you think we did just, do, I don't know. Do you, do, I think my point, I think my point is consistent with the text. I, I, I put it this way. I'm not saying that that's what this, I mean, remember the text we're reading is a historical narrative. It's a historical narrative. So it's not like it's designed necessarily to teach this, but I think we see an example of it. He's doing that which he always does. And that demonstrates that there is a purity in his motivation and that we can take that example of purity and then check ourselves and bring up this discussion about what truly motivates our spiritual activity. All right, you can tell me what you think. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com newsif at yahoo.com. That concludes scripture number 17 for day number 17. This is 30 scriptures in 30 days. All of the episodes are available online. It's been a fun journey. We're getting closer and closer to finishing this up. We're going to make it. We're going to make it to day 30. I don't know when it's all said and done and we have 30 episodes. I don't know what value these 30 episodes are going to provide moving forward, but hopefully, at least if you've been participating live through them, they've given you a challenge to really consider some of these scriptures. Please do your own study and thinking of these scriptures, and if you have any thoughts or feedback, you can email me, newsif at yahoo.com. All right. I think this one was pretty good. I think I think this one was pretty good. So I think this one deserves at least maybe, maybe not, it doesn't quite live up to the epic <laughs> intro music, but we're going to we're going to use it anyway. So thanks for listening. Tomorrow we make it to day 18, but today meditate a little bit on this and tell me what you think. God bless. Thanks for listening.